and welcome to episode 106 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we run down all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the big news in this crazy gambling industry. Guys, at the Lions US, at PlayPix US is where you find us. On the Twitter machine, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. On the podcast machine, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. We do appreciate all of those. Helps us climb the charts, helps, helps more people find this very podcast going to talk about some WSOP news that did come out. We're going to talk about the NBA. We have an awesome interview with Eston McLaren, who is our golf guy over at Play Picks and at the Lines. Even talk a little hockey with him as well, so you'll want to hear that, and then we'll cap things off here with Brett and I just kind of running down if you've never done DFS golf before. We'll kind of break that down for you, maybe a little bit of basic strategy as you go to put your lineups together, and the UFC came out with some news. They finally announced that whole fight island thing and it is actually going to go down here but Brett let's kick things off here I mean casinos across the country including right here in my hometown of Las Vegas back rocking and rolling and if you take a look at all of the videos and buzz and social media stuff that you see it looks like people were definitely ready to scratch that itch Oh yeah, yeah. Last week we saw more than what was it? Two more than two dozen casinos open in Las Vegas. Uh, each operator taking its own approach to the reopening. But as of right now, it looks like fifty percent occup- occupancy is being allowed uh, by the Gaming Control Board. Uh, have you been in? Have you been? Have you gotten out there and been inside yet? Because I'm curious what this looks like. I, I think I've seen like every other video poker and slot machine is turned off and they have chairs removed in between slot machines. Table games have limited seating uh, during this phase of the reopening. What have you seen so far? Yeah. um, You know, and it really depends on where you go. Some places there's going to be plexiglass up at at every gaming table you go to. Some people haven't taken that approach, but um, it's a different experience. But from the people that I've talked to who spent a bunch of time down there, they said it's not really all that bad. And there was actually a couple of people that I were, was talking to who said, you know what? It's actually, uh, I kind of like it. You know, you're standing at a roulette table and you don't have some drunk asshole, like, you know, breathing and spitting yeah. all over you and whatever and all that. Like you got this little bit of room between you and, and, and that guy and, and all that. And so gotten some pretty decent responses from those. One of the things that, you know, obviously we talk about poker here and we'll talk about the world series here in just a second, but you know, we talk about poker here on this podcast, five handed poker tables or what's going on out there right now. Only a few rooms open Venetian South point golden nugget are open. The Orleans is open, but that's about it right now. Uh, Aria did not open their poker room. That casino hasn't even opened yet. No poker over at Bellagio quite yet, but there, uh, there were wait lists of like 40 and 50 people, Brett, like to getting ready to sit down and play five-handed poker. So if we were wondering whether people were going to make it back to the poker tables or not, at least in Las Vegas and at least early here, the answer is yes. Yeah, I saw those lists. Really not surprised. I mean, it's it's we have been kind of hunkered down here for a while. So yeah, it, it, with things reopening, I'm not surprised at all to see uh, this amount of of people crowding into <laughs> into casinos uh, and the poker rooms, especially I, we've seen, we saw like a mini boom here with online poker uh, while this has all been going on. So I'm sure people have that itch to just sit down at a poker table, feel the cards, feel the chips again. And so I'm happy to see that it has gone well so far. And these poker rooms are filling up. I, I will say if, the, if there's one good thing that has come out of this, I think it's going to be people's awareness of, like 
space, right? Like you're not going to have people encroaching yeah. on you and just, I think that's going to be a good thing that comes out of this and it's going to avoid future situations. Like not avoid it, but like cut down on the chances of, of you know, spreading these, these types of illnesses going forward. So that that's, that's one, I guess that's the one good thing that's come out of this, but I'm just glad to see where, you know, some of these businesses and, and states are, are making progress. Yeah. And I mean, from a poker standpoint, you and I both know, I mean, look, five handed is actually fairly good for someone if they know what they're doing. Like if they're good poker players, more hands per hour and playing people who are definitely not used to playing shorthanded poker and being able to take advantage of that situation. I bet you there are some people who over the last week or so here have really, really cleaned up because playing five-handed is completely different than playing nine-handed and the aggression level and getting in that many more hands and stuff. I bet you those games are pretty juicy down there for the people who are uh, good poker players. Yeah, for anybody who likes that, even if you're not good at poker, just if you love action, I mean, there's you're going to find it in those five-handed games. More, You're going to be playing more hands. Everybody's going to be playing more hands. And, and you know, like you said, be more aggressive going after pots. So that's, I, I kind of love that. I, I I hate nine and 10 handed poker. It's just, it's too yeah. cramped. You're too, you're on top of each other. I love things being spread out. Five, six handed is, is my, my, my favorite format. Talking about people getting back into casinos and getting back onto the poker table. Also getting back into the sports books. We had UFC 250 this past week and William Hill here in Las Vegas took a $1 million bet on the main event. That was at minus 600 odds. So $167,000 was the return there. That was an easy, easy win. Amanda Nunez basically toyed with her opponent for five rounds and <laughs> the better was able to cash that ticket. But Brad, I mean, uh, apparently, according to Nick Bondanovich, this was a, a guy that bets with him a, a lot. He is a regular. This was money. He was actually just rolling over. He was still holding on to a Super Bowl ticket where he had a big ticket on the Chiefs that he had not even cashed yet. And this was kind of just rolling that money over. And he made $167,000 in 25 minutes as Amanda Nunez just absolutely dominated there. But it was the first seven-figure bet that many people for the UFC, of course, we've we've seen that in boxing for these marquee boxing matches a lot, but First, uh, first seven-figure UFC bet that a lot of these people here in Vegas can can remember. Yeah, that's huge. Was it? Was there? A, there was never a sweat during this thing, right? Like, it, it, oh if no, you're, no, 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 you're no. sweating the minus six hundred, obviously. But did he ever have a moment where he was like, oh god, like, am I on the right side? No, 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 not at all. Amanda Nunez is the greatest female UFC fighter of all time, and wow. she proved it yet again on Saturday, making easy, easy work. I'm talking easy work of her opponent in that one. And, you know, it's one of those things where for me, I would, from a, from a, from a men's standpoint in MMA, where there are a lot more finishes, especially finishes by knockout. I don't know if I could ever feel comfortable putting up that type of money at those type of odds. It just would not be something that I would, I would feel good about, but in women's MMA and especially with someone as dominant as Amanda Nunez, like I, I tweeted this afterwards, if I had a million dollars to bet Amanda Nunez would be the one fighter that I would bet a million dollars on at minus 600 odds, because that's just how much better she is than everyone in the sport right now. And so 
you know, obviously I don't have, I'm not liquid a million cash to go put down on a, on a fight like that. But if there was one fighter on the planet where I would do that, it would be her. Well, regardless if you have a million dollars or not, are you a guy who will lay minus 600 on a fight? If you see the value, did you have money on Nunes? Uh, so what I did instead, and this was something, and actually we can kind of roll this into the the video that I put out on UFC 250. Uh, of the three bets that I mentioned in uh, in the video, we went one and two. And, they, you know, and I had a guy comment on the thing, like, you lost me money, you know, on this. And, hey, look, I'm betting the stuff too. So we're, we're losing money together when it comes to all this. But it's kind of stuff we've talked about here on the podcast a lot before, but we're getting new listeners. So we'll just kind of drive it home yet again. It's more about the process than it is about the results. And I know that's easy for me to say I'm a longtime gambler and better. And, and you know, that's, I, I have losing weeks sometimes. Like I, it's not a, I have losing events sometimes. It's, it's easy for me. And if this is somebody that jumped in for the first time and lost some money, I, I feel bad about that. And it's uh, I, all I can drive home is the process here. We talked about the first fight with, you know, I, I thought Hooper in the, in the Caceres fight that he was, and I literally said this in the video, that he was at a disadvantage on the feet and he, you know, is going to need to get the fight to the ground. And if he does, then he'll dominate on the ground and probably grind out a, a, a boring decision. Well, he was dominated on the feet, but the problem was he was just not able to get that fight to the ground. He tried on multiple occasions and hats off to Caceres. He was unable, he was unable to take Caceres down and, you know, he, he lost, but he did not get knocked out. Like I said, Caceres doesn't have any power. He, whatever, just, it was just a 15 minute ass kicking basically uh, on the feet. And that's unfortunate. We were trying to get the distance to go in the co-main event fight between Garbrandt and Asuncao. And we were cruising there. Like that thing was heading for a decision for sure before the punch of death landed one second before the end of the second round when Cody Garbrandt threw a punch literally from like the canvas all the way up to Asuncao's jaw and knocked his damn head off like to, to end the second round. And so, you know, look, it was both both fights played out like we thought, and uh, you know they just didn't go our way. Now the one one we did win, as I said, hey look, Nunez and O'Malley are just that much better than their opponents. Minus six hundred, minus five hundred, respectively. Let's go ahead and just parlay those together so that we yeah. can get those odds way down here, and you feel more comfortable kind of laying that money. That's what we did. We won that one, so hopefully people were able to to tail that and, and make some cash there. But you know, again, it's just a uh, you know, you do this when we, we talk about this all football season long and and we'll do it again this football season as well. We're going to make some bets that we lose. And at the end, we're going to say, wow, that was a stupid bet. Like we read that completely wrong. That went exactly the opposite of how we thought. But then sometimes we're going to say, hey, man, we lost, but I don't feel bad about losing that, you know, and that's kind of how I feel with, with these right here. Like I, 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 I said, this is what's going to need to happen for these bets to get home. The fights were playing out just like I said, it just didn't end up on, on the right side of it. So, you know, sometimes you lose and you still feel okay with it. Yeah. And also don't feel bad about it. You, you're not telling anybody to tell your picks. You're offering your analysis. You're offering, you're telling people what you have in your account and that's it. If they want to tell it, they can tail it. True. True. So that makes me feel better. Thank you. I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> I do appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll talk some more UFC here at the, at the end of the podcast. Um, big announcement from, from those guys that has finally come to fruition as well but another big announcement coming out just a couple of days ago here the WSOP is going to run 85 online bracelet events now Brett you and I talked about this and this was way before they made any announcement whatsoever we said 
it doesn't matter what is going to happen with this pandemic thing. There's just no way they are going to be able to run the World Series of Poker. It's just impossible logistically with the way if you've ever walked in a pavilion room over at the Rio, you understand it was just impossible for them to be able to run the World Series of Poker this year. And it looks like with what we're seeing here, that's likely going to be the case. It doesn't look like we're going to have live World Series this year. Yeah, I agree. So what they did was they announced an 85 event schedule. 31 of those will be played online at WSOP.com in Nevada, in Nevada, in New Jersey. The other 54 on ggpoker.com for the rest of the world. Um, I, I'm now questioning why they would even bother to have a live series now that you've got a full online series in place and still so many questions about what Vegas and the rest of the U.S. and the world will look like later this year. You know, people travel from all over to participate in this series. And yeah, poker is happening in Vegas card rooms right now, but the logistics of running the largest poker series in the world with hordes, thousands upon thousands of people, players and staff, that's a massive undertaking. And we're talking about just months to plan it without the assurance that there will like there won't be a second wave of a coronavirus or something else. So yeah, I was talking to people yesterday about the odds of there being a, a live WSOP at the Rio in Vegas this year. I said less than 1%. That's probably being a bit aggressive, but I would certainly bet on the no. Now that we're seeing organizers set up an alternate series to hand these 85 bracelets out. Yeah, I, I agree here. One of the things that the arguments start to come up and it's fine. Debate is is fun, and you know for sure poker players are going to do it, Brad. You and I have lived through enough of this. If there is any sort of controversial aspect to anything, they are going to debate it. That is for damn sure. And didn't take long for people to come out and say like, oh my God, now they're diminishing bracelets and bracelets aren't going to be worth anything and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, look, it... it It's just a different skill set. I don't necessarily think it's one of those deals where it diminishes what a bracelet is. I mean, look, there are different poker variants. There are different events and different buy-in levels that have far different, one, field sizes and and skill within the field and all that. And online poker is just a different skill. It's just a different variant. It's just a different form of poker. And so, you know, to me, Nobody goes back to those first WSOPs where there were eight people in an event and say like, oh, that bracelet's crap and like all these things. And, you know, I mean, it's so to me, I don't know. It's just to me, it's just a different form. It's just a different thing. I don't I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't think it necessarily diminishes the value of a bracelet. Well. You and I worked in the poker industry when it was booming here in the U.S. And even then. The, the series was only 50 or so events and winning a bracelet really meant something. Now, with the inclusion of WSOP Europe, there were more than 100 bracelets handed out last year. And some of those tournaments were only $350, $365 to enter. Like you couldn't get into a tournament for less than $1,500 15 years ago. So that part of it for me is a bit sad to see because I was there in 2007, 2008. And, you know, just the the hype around some of these bracelets was so much bigger than it is now. And this is supposed to be the big leagues of poker. And and now they're handing out hardware to what feels like, like minor league champions. That's just what it feels like to me. Uh, I don't want to say it's a cash grab either, even though it does feel that way sometimes, but, but you know, this event has grown 
and the demand is there from all players in the world and you want to please your customer base. So I understand why the World Series of Poker has expanded in the way that it has, but you know, the, the volume of events and bracelets being awarded has definitely diluted the significance of winning on the biggest stage for me. So uh, what about, uh, what about when someone wins a gold medal at the Olympics? Do you think that that still holds like prestige? Because to me, it feels like when someone is standing on top of a podium and they're holding a gold medal in their hand, that that still has a lot of prestige. But we're not seeing because there's been thousands and thousands and thousands of Olympic medals that have been handed out. And I don't think anyone would ever say that that an Olympic medal doesn't doesn't hold prestige and doesn't like hold the same that it did, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, whatever it might be. And there's been exponentially more Olympic medals given out than there have been, you know, poker bracelets. That's true. But I, I guess if. If you take swimming, for example, if you keep adding different kinds of strokes to like the list of events, if you know, you go from what, what are there four strokes right now? Five, you add like 10 more Then I guess. And then you just had to have the same people winning the same things. I guess that would be a, a problem for me, but poker is just different because it's, it's, I mean, you're, you're giving this isn't the best of the best. You're giving everybody a chance at winning a bracelet and the access to winning one has become far easier with now you've got the 300, $500 events. That's how I see it. And now, especially online, I think I saw that they're only doing no limit hold'em and PLO in these 85 events. Well, maybe it's just the 35 on WSOP.com, but I have a problem with that because the WSOP for me is all about the, the yeah. so many different variants of poker and, and, you know, stuff you don't see all year round, the horse, you know, the pot limit, uh, the pot limit, uh, well, you see the pot limit Omaha, but just, you know, the different variants of, of poker that you don't see year round. That's where the best of the best really shine. The guys who are grinding those, those other games year round. So yeah, it's it's you know we've been ta- we've been talking about this for a long time. Just uh, you know the the diminishing of the the value of the bracelet, and uh, it just as they add more events every year, it's just that's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess to me, it's just kind of the natural evolution of the game itself because we we talked about like you know poker was heading down a self destructive road during the poker boom where every single thing had to be a massively high buy in, and the barrier to entry was really not there unless you satellite it in, which, you know, there at the time there were a lot of people satelliting into events or whatever, but the average Joe Smo was never going to be able to, you know, play multiple tournament tournaments a year because everything was 10 K 12 K 15 K 25 K buy-ins. And, you know, the evolution of just the industry, I think has gotten to where, you know, that's not feasible anymore. There are more people playing, but it, at, at smaller stakes and, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like this probably just kind of how things had to move and how they gradually just kind of ended up there because the other path wouldn't was not going to be successful and was not going to be fruitful. And at the end of the day, you know, people say this all the time and, and you did it. You did it. You didn't acknowledge this in in your take. But, you know, it's still a business, right? I mean, like right. p- people look like the World Series of Poker there is like some sort of friggin charity event, but it's not right. It's like a business, like people have jobs and they're trying to make money and, and all that. And, and so, you know, you, you, you do have to cater to 
a, a larger customer base sometimes in order to to make some money you know, and to turn a profit, you know, and I know that poker players are going to listen to this and you know what? Yeah, I'll say it. Y'all are the most selfish people on the face of the planet. You do not care about anything else other than what is best for you. And sometimes, you know, the it, sometimes being able to pay the salary of the people that work for WSOP is important, you know? And so uh, it's just, it's just one of those things, right? I mean, it's it's a selfish game by nature. You're, it's an individual game. You are playing with your money and you are trying to win other people's money and you are definitely out for what is best for you. And I get it. But sometimes there is a, be- a bigger picture type situation here. You got to look for the you got to look past the, the forest or the trees and stuff. What we do know is that live poker continues to thrive. I can only imagine if, if there is no live series in 2020. It is going to be so big in 2021. It is going to be massive. So at least we have that to look forward to if we don't have a series. And and if they're going to have partnerships with these international sites and stuff like already, I mean, like you're saying, hell man, go ahead and start running satellites to 2021 now. I mean, like you, you remember in the heyday when, when stars and full tilt and party poker was sending, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to the world series, they were running main event satellites basically year round, you know, I mean like literally like you were, you could play in a main event satellite like year round and they were qualifying people left and right all the time. Let's let's go ahead and start doing that now, man. I think that would be cool. I'm in. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, steal the idea guys. If you're listening, I I feel okay with that. Steal the idea. We're going to be perfectly fine with you stealing that. Now, we're talking about sports returning. We're going to talk golf with Eston here in just a second, but the NBA, the plan seems to be, um, you know, they're going to head over to Florida, Brett. It's going to be a bubble city. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you are one of the two teams that make it to the finals, you might could be there for about three and a half months <laughs> like, living in the same place. But, uh, you know, I put it this way. Like you say that out loud and you kind of like, you know, we're like, oh, man, you know, such a long time. What wouldn't you do for three and a half months for for like ten million dollars? Like, seriously, like, would you not live anywhere for, for three months for ten million dollars? Like, I, I think I would try to go live in like a, a war torn area for three months for ten million dollars. I mean, we have we all been stuck in the same place for the past three months. So going to Walt Disney World for <laughs> and, and I wasn't making ten million dollars. I can guarantee you that I wasn't yeah. making ten million doing it. So here's where we're at. 22 teams will go to Florida, 13 in the West, nine in the East. There is some confusion about how this is going to work. So it's important for anybody betting on any of these futures to know what this is going to look like. The season will resume. Looks like around July 31st, early August, eight regular season games. Uh, The schedule for those games has yet to be announced, but after they play those eight regular season games, the top seven seeds in each conference will be locked into the playoffs. Then if the ninth seed in either conference is within four games of the eighth seed in the standings, there will be a play in series between those two teams. Um, the eighth seed will have the advantage there in that play in series, but that sounds pretty cool. We, I, when, when the MLB first announced like the, the play in game, for the playoffs. I hated it, but man, is that game exciting? Like just yeah. to, the, the, the last shot to get into the playoffs. I love it now. And according to our guy, Nate Weitzer over at play picks and the lines, there is a 
better than a 90% chance of a playing series happening in the West, which is pretty cool just because of, of how tight things are there uh, between the eight and nine seeds. Far less likely to happen in the East. Washington's a ways behind Orlando and Brooklyn in the standings. Um, but yeah, that's where we stand right now. Most of the books have posted yes, no's on whether teams will make the playoffs. So uh, if you are into the NBA and, and ready to start betting, uh, I highly recommend going and looking at those odds at, at DraftKings and FanDuel and MGM and some of the other books. No, I, absolutely. And, and as we said with this, and I want to drive it home again, and as we get a little bit closer, we'll do a full, full breakdown of everything. But, you know, variants, we talk, and we'll talk about variants in golf here in just a second as well, but variants from the PGA standpoint, I mean, from the NBA standpoint, Brad, I just don't see there being a ton of variance here. I mean, we may get one upset in these like series or something like that, but if everything plays out to how we kind of think it's going to go and how we we've seen this layout here, it, it almost is likely to be a three team race for the championship. Yeah, I mean, you're going to see more variance than usual just because they're, you know, you're not going to have a home field or a home court advantage for the higher seeds. You're all going to be playing at the same place. So I guess if you look at it that way, there's more variance than usual, but you're right. I mean, compared to baseball or hockey, these are still the best players in the in the league playing for the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks, and they are going to have that built-in advantage, and the odds reflect that as we've seen. So I would love to see one of these long shots come through. Uh, I you and me both. I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, because we don't see it very often. I, mean, I guess I mean the Raptors last year certainly uh, were as close as we've gotten in a while. But um, yeah, I would love to see a team like I, I don't know the Grizzlies just like appear out of nowhere and just <laughs> upset. <laughs> that would be it. Would just be amazing. Like because we don't, I don't, we don't really know what's gonna happen. It's I mean these guys haven't been playing basketball in months, so. Uh, I think that would make for some some entertaining basketball. The return of the PGA is here. We could not be more excited about it. Lots of content over at the lines and at play picks. We'll have some videos on the YouTube page as well. But we were able to sit down with our lead golf analyst over at the lines and play picks, Eston McLaren. Talk a little bit about what's going to go down there at the Charles Schwab. So here is Eston. Now join us here on the pod, Eston McLaren. You can find him on Twitter at Eston McLaren. He's a lead golf analyst for us here at the Lines and Play Picks, associate editor at Sportsbook Wire, contributor over at Golf Week in USA Today as well. So big, big resume there for Eston. Glad to have you here on the podcast, buddy, as we head into the, you know, the return of the PGA Tour. Thanks. Yes, very happy to be on. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. I mean, this is, uh, you know, this is, I think we're seeing it. We'll talk about it here in just a second, but everybody, you know, a lot of buzz around this first event back here. I mean, we're seeing, you know, massive prize pool on a DFS side of things. I've already talked to a couple of different bookmakers who said they are started to see early action here on golf betting. The guy told me that he normally doesn't see stuff start really rolling in until Wednesday or Thursday when these golf tournaments that are non-majors are, are getting going. But the uh, Charles Schwab drawing lots of attention regardless here. Yeah, idle hands, right? You know, as soon as these odds came out, there were plenty of people who were more than happy to start placing wagers like never before, really. Um, 
And, you know, the don't let the name fool you. This is a huge tournament. It's at a course. Everyone loves. Everyone's in attendance. Everyone who matters is in attendance. Uh, yeah, this, this is as close to a major field as a regular tournament gets. Yeah, let's break down the field. Uh, a lot of guys who are not regulars at Colonial, guys like Rory, Justin Thomas, Jason Day, all playing for the first time in this event. Uh, a lot of rookies like Morikawa and Wolf and, and Hovland also playing for the first time. Rory, the favorite. Does it matter that he has not played four full rounds at Colonial before? And how does he fit with this course? I'm not scared by the fact that he hasn't played here before. It's Rory McIlroy. He's the number one golfer in the world. He can win anywhere, anytime. The course isn't the best fit, though. The putting matters at this venue more than normal. Everyone knows Rory's putter comes and goes. Uh, Obviously, he's skilled enough in every other area that he makes up for that and can certainly do that this week. Uh, He was... Probably the second best guy in that foursome for the TaylorMade event. Maybe Fowler was a little bit better. Rory obviously hit that shot to win it on the playoff. So yeah, can Rory McIlroy win? Certainly. This probably isn't the best course for him. It's a shorter venue. He doesn't have that advantage he has on the longer ones where he can just outdrive everybody by 10, 20 yards. It's going to come down to the putter. It could be strong enough for him, and it could not. So... The value is not there to take a chance on him this week. There are other guys I like a whole lot more. Oh my God, if putting matters, then I I have no idea what to do with this event. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what we should get into right now. I mean, like, you know, what what are you looking for in a golfer this week? I mean, we've fallen in love, especially with a lot of these courses now with the Bombers. And this tends to, it looks like that this isn't necessarily shaping up to be one of those courses that you need to be a, a bomber here. So are you kind of looking at some of these guys that maybe are a little bit off of the radar, a little bit more to the casual person because you understand how to go and, and attack this course. And, you know, frankly, maybe there's a lot of variants involved in this first tournament back with guys that, that are, you know, haven't been playing competitive golf for quite some time. Yes. Uh- Obviously, we're in such an unprecedented area that there's so many ways you can look at this and everyone's going to have their certain inside line of what they believe can win. Uh, There's a lot of winners here. Maybe that's going to pull through. Maybe it's going to be the underdogs who haven't won, the long shots, who without fans on the course, that's going to allow them to get that first win. I'm trusting in putters this week, guys who over the course of their careers or at least extended periods of time have gotten it down with the putter. They're going to be reliable to me coming off of that three month long break. And that's what I'm looking for. Guys are going to be good enough to drive it. Everyone's going to have some rest and some mistakes. I think I'm looking at putters and guys who can recover from those mistakes, which we'll probably see a little bit more of this week. So looking at some of the data here sent over from DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, Jordan Spieth, Brooks Kepka, the two most popular outright bets by handle so far. I'd love to get your thoughts on these two. You mentioned putting. I mean, Jordan historically has been one of the better putters on tour, and he's had success here. He profiles extremely well for this course, but his inconsistency has dropped him to number 56 in the world. He is the 16th favorite on the board this week at plus 4,600. Is he on your radar worth a flyer as a long shot? Absolutely. The odds are right for him this week. Uh, 
the last three years or so, he has struggled. But those struggles have come with the driver. He doesn't really need it that much at this course. He can use irons or three wood off the tee to play a little bit safer. And yes, throughout his struggles, when he has played well for at least two or three rounds in those events, it's because he has putted just so much better than anybody else. He can do that here. He has done that here. He has four top tens in his last five visits. This is the course for Jordan Spieth, and the odds are plenty high enough for me to be taking a chance. And then a guy like Brooks, who typically only shows up for majors and the results speak for themselves, but this kind of has, like you said, a mini major feel to it with so much hype on the return of golf. What do you expect from Brooks this week? He's 25 to one to win the event at DraftKings. Brooks is a guy that people like us who talk about the game and analyze it on this level, look at him. Yeah. He gears himself up and no one seems to self-motivate better than Brooks Kepka. Well, he has plenty of motivation in the fact that he's slipped to number three in the world. He entered the year at number one, such a big drop. I know, but, Yes, that's probably a motivating factor for a guy like Brooks Kepka. Uh, he has a runner-up finish here, not an extensive course history by any means, but a positive result at the very least. Yeah, he has to be a favorite. He had that knee injury, didn't play well early in the year. Well, you know what heals knee injury? Three months of not playing competitive golf. <laughs> So we're looking here at a millionaire maker for a non-major. I mean, we saw this last week in MMA when it was kind of the only game in town and there was a millionaire maker in MMA, which has never happened over at DraftKings. And here we are, a millionaire maker in a non-major event here. How are you attract? How are you attacking this? And who are some guys you mentioned you're, you like putters for this particular course? Who are some guys that you really have your eye on and probably will have a, a decent amount of exposure to come, uh, come Thursday? Well, we talked about Jordan Spieth already. He's a name that I'm just really excited to see what that ownership for him is like because, as we talked about, he's a public figure. Everyone knows him. So everybody signing up for DraftKings for this millionaire maker are probably going to be looking at Jordan Spieth. But the Sharps who do this, week in and week out, they're familiar with Spieth's struggles and they've kind of been off of him. Are they still going to be sour on him at a course where he's dominated before? I'm not sure. So maybe he has that high ownership, but he doesn't have all the sharps on him and maybe that's the advantage. But uh, if you were looking down a little bit farther for putters, Patrick Rogers is a guy I like. Uh, He's missed the cut here twice in 2018 and 2017. But he's a very good putter, especially on these bent grass greens. Maybe he's a guy trying to make a bit more of a name for himself and get that first win. Maybe not having the fans there will do something for him. Uh, Miliano Grio is another cheap name. He's played here before, had decent success. He had a third-place finish in 2018. Putting's not his focus, but he's a, a great ball striker. He has one before. Fries.com opened a few years ago. Maybe this helps him get back in that winner's circle without that pressure. Uh, Adam Hadwin, the Canadian, he's always a great putter. He kind of didn't play much this year. He just had the birth of a child, I think, his first. So that's a, that's a thing he's had a few months back. He's back in the swing of it. He's going to play lots of golf here these next few months. An excellent putter, and this is a course for him. 
are there any guys that you're you're fading? Are there any guys that you have d- decided that okay, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and draw the line in the sand here, and these are going to be guys that even you know, listen, we we understand their strategy involved in playing DFS golf. I mean, this doesn't necessarily mean that you don't think these guys will perform well here or can perform well here, but given the circumstances and maybe it's ownership or maybe it's just uh, somebody else in that price range you like a little bit better. Are there anybody that you've kind of put on that uh, will not roster list? For DFS, McElroy, I'm staying away from number one player in the world. Everyone knows him. They're all going to be on him. As we talked about, I don't think it's the best course for him, especially in his first appearance. Dustin Johnson, another public name. Um, we saw him at that TaylorMade event as well. People people know about him. He's an American favorite, obviously. Uh, I think Kepka might be kind of the best of that top group from an ownership perspective. He did have those struggles. Everyone thinks that he only gears up for majors. Well, this is close to a major. Maybe that's an edge that not everyone's going to attack, and they're going to look at those missed cuts and the struggles earlier this year. So hopefully he's that guy from that tier who you can really zone in on and you get him like a guy like him. If you get him 5% lower than you normally get, that's, that's a huge advantage, right? Yeah. And we talk about ownership a lot with these massive draft DraftKings fields. Uh, I saw, I saw a stat today that the past few Millie maker winners all had at least one golfer that had like less than 3% ownership. Who's, who's the one, the one guy who you think, will fall into that category that you really like this week. Kevin Kisner. I am not sure if he's going to be quite that low. Uh, He is a former champion. So maybe that gets there, but his name who hasn't been in the news, probably the better part of a year. Now he won last year's match play, but we haven't seen him really surface anywhere. Uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be that 3%. This is a great course uh, for him too, though. Yeah, yeah. This is a course he's had success. He's another great putter, especially on this surface. Hopefully, hopefully, um, probably be closer to 10% in all fairness. Uh, but Patrick Rogers is probably my pick uh, from that lowest tier we can go. It's relying on the putting. That's obviously hit and miss week in, week out. But we're looking at a guy or every guy coming back from three months off. You got to look at a strength that you can trust to be there. I'm going to go with Patrick Rogers putter. Uh, A top 20 would be a good result from him. And that would be a great result in DFS as well. All right. Before we let you go, you're an NHL guy over at play picks as well. I want to get some quick takes on the NHL playoffs. I want to first thoughts on the format and the impact on betting markets, any moves that caught your attention and bets that you've already made that are in your account. I had a few bets out when the season was in progress um, on the Panthers and the Flyers. I really like the looks of those ones right now. And I've actually doubled down on both of those. The, this format it's going to be interesting. Uh, I love this five game play in series and I really like these matchups that we're going to be seeing as well. Um, you know, I was a little bit hesitant about the NHL going back and I kind of still am. We're going to force this condensed season, almost like a tournament style. Oh, the regular season was going to start a month or two later anyway. So I don't know the real rush of pushing this one forward and pushing the other one back, but whatever. 
it's it's going to be good hockey. And I wasn't all that excited until I saw these qualification round series. I really like them. And looking at a team with a bye, who can get an advantage from that? I like the Flyers. There you go, Matt. I listen. I mean, this people been listening to the podcast. I'm holding a twenty to one <laughs> ticket on the Flyers right now. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I'm enjoying that. I like to hear this from our expert here. Yeah, uh, I think you're only going to be feeling better and better about that. Um, looking at goaltending, Carter Hart, he's a guy, you know, he got his first full season under his belt. Well, as close as he was going to get to a full season under his belt now. And he played well. He wasn't quite the same as he was after his call up last year, but he's a guy, he's come back. He's played against good teams. He's gotten a sense of it. He's had three months off or yeah, three months off now to look back on that and look at the good parts, look at what he needs to improve. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit different playing against only the best of the best, but I like the Flyers. They they have a good offense. They have a good enough goalie, and they, these short shorter series, we don't know how long the round one, round two, and after that are going to be, but they're a team that – they can win three out of five games, probably. Uh, they, they play an exciting style, and that style is going to leave an, an awful lot up for chance, no matter who they face. And I like their chances to come out on top more often than not. All right, Aston, before, uh, before I cut you loose here, I'm not going to make you pick the outright winner of the Charles Schwab, but if you were, were going to feel pretty confident in placing one of these top five bets that are uh, available over here at DraftKings, I, I try to tell people a lot of time, yeah, it's sexy to, to go ahead and take all these outrights, but, you know, there's one winner of a golf tournament. I mean, uh, there's one person who is going to win the thing. You can take these top fives and top tens, and you can actually grind out a, a profit whenever you play these things. Who, who do you like kind of in the, that top five-ish range that could, that you think, you know, is definitely going to be in contention, might not be able to take it home, but it's certainly going to be there come Sunday. Jordan Spieth and Jason Day, uh, two great putters. Jason Day is a guy, when he doesn't play well, it's because his back's acting up. He's had three months to heal his back. He's the best putter in this field. He and Jordan Spieth will both be right there. Certainly top 10, and I like their chances at top five. Uh, Spieth at plus 900, Day at plus 1100. Those are tremendous odds on two name brand guys who have a great chance to win every week. Awesome. And you can find all of Eston's content over at the lines and at play picks. Follow him on Twitter at Eston McLaren. Thanks for the time today, buddy. Really appreciate it. Great. Thanks to you guys. Brett, I'm excited. I know Eston's excited. You are definitely excited as well. I mean, listen, we kind of got into those exhibition golf matches a little bit more than we thought we would. It was kind of fun. It was entertaining. Maybe we were a little bit sports starved, but hey, it is what it is. But let me tell you, man, I am uh, I'm all for what's uh, what's about to go down on Thursday here. And I'm going to have maybe increased a little bit of action here for me as well. Maybe I'll just be a little bit too into what's going on. But uh, look, all the best players are playing. So much could happen here. We don't really know what's going on. It's a unique type of course where it doesn't just automatically favor one of these bombers that we've seen so far. And so, I, you know, when I say anything could happen, I kind of expect there to be some uh, some pretty interesting things happen between uh, Thursday and Sunday. 
Are you embracing the variants? Oh, you better believe it, my friend. <laughs> you better believe it, my friend. Which actually leads us into kind of like our kind of next topic here. So let's let's do it. You know, if you guys have never, and we talked about it with Essen, there is a millionaire maker over on DraftKings. And if you guys have never done DFS golf before, you know, I think there's basically some 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 basic strategy, I think, Brett, that we could go with. And like right off the top here is especially in this event, more than anything, if you are going to play in any of these large field tournaments by far like embrace the variance, right? Because all the money is at the top of these, uh, of these tournaments. And, you know, you are going to increase your chance to actually win these things. If you are consciously trying to make lineups that you think will be at least a little bit unique. Yes, that is the key. That's what we've had success with in the past because if if you can, like we said, embrace the the, the variance, embrace the randomness of sports, we don't know what's going to happen. And so oftentimes we see a guy who nobody's really on, a guy who's like 2 to 3% owned, who has the round or, or week of his life. And if you own that guy, you are going to be on an island. You are going to be you know one of the few guys who, get scores the points for that player. So uh, I like to, my, my, usually my strategy is, is to form a, a core of golfers that includes some low owned guys, maybe with a high ceiling who have not played well lately or are just really high variance guys. They either miss the cut or they finish in the top 20 every week. Those are the guys that I, I try to, to, to build my, my core golfers around. And I think that's probably what I'm going to do this week. Although this week is so tough because there's really we don't have any recent form to, to look at these guys. We don't know what these True. guys have been doing over the last few weeks. So I'm still trying to I'm still forming exactly how I want to approach this week, both DFS and betting. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? How are you approaching this? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, especially if I'm playing the millionaire maker, which I'll probably toss a few lineups in because, I mean, again, there's very few opportunities to turn 20 bucks into a million in life. And so um, why not? The very first thing and the best piece of advice I think I can give you is to leave money on the table. There have been uh, people have analyzed these lineups in these big events before. And now typically, again, these are typically always around majors, but we're, we're treating this as if it's a major. People are very aware of what's going on. And this is going to be a very popular contest with the public. And Brett, nearly 50% of all lineups entered in these millionaire makers use every single dollar allotted to you as far as your salary cap goes. And so even leaving a, a hundred makes your lineup unique from half the field. But if you, the more you start leaving on the table, the more likelihood that your lineup is going to be unique. And if you can get into that where you're leaving you know, 1500 to 1800 on that table and getting close to like 48 K as your salary cap as opposed to the 50. Now you've moved into where like only three to 5% of all lineups are constructed in that form in that fashion. And again, it might not be the absolute most optimal lineup, but you are increasing your chance of winning this thing and winning a million dollars outright. Yeah, and another advantage of doing that is if you like a guy who is going to be the chalk this week. So Eston mentioned Jordan Spieth. It's, it's probably going to be popular this week. If you love Jordan Spieth this week, it's going to be difficult to build 
a lineup that where you're using all of your salary cap that isn't isn't popular with the public as well. So if mm-hmm. if you are leaving money on the table with a Jordan Spieth lineup, then you're starting to make more of a unique lineup and you have a less chance of having a duplicate lineup where if you win the whole contest, you're not splitting it with somebody else. And that's what you really want to avoid. So uh, yeah, if, if you do like a chalky player, I highly recommend leaving a little more money on the table, go down a little bit lower uh, with your final, you know, your final roster spot uh, to just to increase your chances of, of not having a duplicate. Yeah. And I mean, you can, you can build a pretty solid lineup with guys that aren't in that super high tier of, 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 uh, of, of price tag. Right. And so, I mean, you're looking here and some of these guys that, yeah, I mean, it is, it's going to take a, a, you know, four days, four, four rounds of their life to win a tournament like this, but certainly could happen. And then there's also guys that who's, whether it be due to injury or recent form or whatever it might be, whose salaries have plummeted too. And so you're looking in this like, 8k tier where there's like you know a matt fitzpatrick and a jason day and a louis oosthuizen and let you know you even mentioned you know victor hovland who's going to be making his first start kevin Na won last year at this uh at this tournament matthew wolf we know and a, a super talented guy these are all in that like seven to eight k range you could build a, a really solid lineup just at just out of golfers in that range right there, you know? And so you, you kind of start to look at that and say, well, you know, maybe that's more the strategy to, to go here, but just, you know, just know right off the bat, the, the one very, very best piece of advice I can give you is in these large field tournaments, please, even if it's a hundred dollars, please leave some money on the table. Cause that will, at least that one thing you do will separate you from at least half the field when it comes to building a lineup. Yep. I, I, there are there are there are times when I do fill it all the way up, but usually that will include a guy. You know what you're doing, no, right? Yeah, yeah, like you. Exactly. Nobody like, else has. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what you're I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, like when you know when you have you've maxed out your salary, but you have two guys in there that are going to be one percent. Like yeah, yeah, yeah two like, percent. Exactly. Like like you you know that. Um and and so you know that's uh that comes with that comes with you know being a vet. You're you're a vet now when it comes to all this stuff. But uh, one of the other things I would say about this guys is if you've never done DFS golf and Brett, I think you can attest to this and we play all the sports, but it really is the best bang for your buck because you get four days of sweat for one price. And so I tell this to people all the time. I mean, you are getting what you're buying in for, for $20, $25, or whatever in the hell it might be. And now you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, of action and it really is amazing and if you've ever had a true golf sweat sitting there on sunday there really is nothing like it when it comes to all of dfs because every single shot not only by your guy but all the people around your guy start to matter because because eagles are worth so much points and the birdies are worth so many more points and if your guy just keeps parring and like he's just puttering along you're like come on man you need a birdie or some shit it, it really is one of the best one of the best sweats out there i think it's the best you get yeah like you said <laughs> you get more out of your buy in with fantasy golf than any other, any other sport 4 days it's like 12 to 14 hours each day you're sweating every hole every shot every shot matters so much when you're playing in these huge fields, you see it every week. One missed putt will cost somebody a million dollars this week. One like three to five foot putt, somebody blows it. And it, 
hundreds it of thousands really of dollars change hands on that shot. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun when you're on the right side of that, obviously. But, um, we, we don't like, look, I don't like rake on these DraftKings contests, but with golf, you're getting so much out of it yeah. that I don't mind paying the rake because it's just so entertaining for four days that, uh, it's just, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think it's, it's just, it's just fun. Like it's, it's more fun really for me than any other sport because it takes you through the whole weekend. Guys, UFC 251 is actually going to go down, Brett, finally on Fight Island. They they were talking about this for months now, and it has finally happened, but it's not what everybody was expecting. It's not some island they bought in the middle of nowhere and that it was going to be, you know, built up to be this little. No, it's happening in Abu Dhabi. It's basically a tourist attraction. If you guys have ever seen that famous aerial shot of like the Ferrari like symbol or whatever that's in the middle of that island there over in Abu Dhabi. That's where this is going down. It's like the it's the the fight island Brett has a friggin' sea world on it. I mean, this is like a tourist <laughs> attraction that's going on here. This is not like some island in the middle of nowhere that they're gonna ship these fighters off to. This is like a tourist attraction. And uh anyhow, that's where UFC 251 is gonna go down. I think they'll probably end up having a couple of more events over there as well to get some of these uh international fighters some time in the cage because that's just been uh been tough to try to get that done over here in the States or whatever. But now we know the cat's out of the bag and it's really just going to be at a very popular tourist destination in Abu Dhabi. So why, why are they doing this now that states are opening and like events are happening in Florida? And is It's been tough for international guys to like get over to the states okay, essentially. Fair, yeah. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of international fighters on these cards to try to get those guys some action in, in the cage and stuff. And so um, you know, whatever, it's fine. It's just, it was this whole sexy idea of they're going to, you know, Island and they're going to build cages and dorms and it's going to be whatever. Yeah. That, 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 that didn't happen. These guys can go to friggin' sea world on their day off if they want. I mean, like, come on, like what? Sit in fight Island. This is a friggin' this is, this is Abu Dhabi tourist attraction here. So, um, if you've ever seen the, like the, like the F1 race or whatever that happens at Abu Dhabi, that happens on this Island. So, I mean, it's, this is like, you know, this is not some island in the middle of nowhere. It's 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 a big it's a big built up thing, and the guys are probably going to love it over there. <laughs> They're probably going to have a great time. And when is this happening again? Uh, UFC two fifty one is going to happen here in a few weeks. Um, okay. And so, uh, like I said, they'll probably end up having a couple more events over there too before they come back stateside. And so that'll be uh, we'll we'll of course monitor all that, and we'll have stuff for you over at the lines and play picks as well. And of course, head over there for all of the golf content that's going to be going on this week, guys, super excited for sports to be back, super excited for the casinos to be opening back up. I'm glad that there are the people who really needed to get back to work or getting back to work. And it seems like everybody's glad to be getting back to work here. And I'm only wishing for the best. And Brett, I know you are as well, just that, that, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't really, you know, cause the kind of like people are saying that second wave or whatever it might be. I'm, I'm, we're all just wishing for the best here and hopefully we can get back to as much normalcy as humanly possible. Yeah, of course. And it, it, it does look good from the sports side. We've got a plan for the NHL. We've got a plan for the NBA. We're hoping for baseball, although they're not going to mess us up. Are they, are they going to mess this up? They might God, they're going to mess this up. They might God. mess this up. They're going to mess this up. But, but if they do that, it is catastrophic. It is catastrophic to that wow. already 
already the distant number three to the NFL and the NBA. And then you were going to put a massively sour taste in the fans' mouths and stuff. I mean, I, I don't, I, it's going to be bad for that league, man. It's going to be bad. God, I hope they don't do that then. I hope they don't do that. I know. I hope they don't do it too. At the Lions US, at PlayPicks US, guys, uh, over Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Subscribe, rate, and review. Help us out. We really do appreciate all of those. And of course, if you guys ever want to hit us up on Twitter, at Matt Brown M2, at Brett Colson. If you got a topic you want us to talk about, something you want us to hit on, if you have anybody you find interesting that you would like to like us to interview, whatever it might be, uh, hit us up on that. We will try to make it happen because we're here to uh, give you guys what you want. So be sure and do that. And again, if you're going to, if you're in one of the new states, Colorado, all these new states that have opened up and you are looking to get the very best sign-up bonuses you can possibly get head of the lines as well, because we're going to give you free money or, or match bets or whatever it might be. There's all kinds of craziness going on. They're competing for your business. So be sure and take advantage of all of that as well. Don't just go in there and, and take whatever generic offer they're going to give you. We have the best stuff over there at the lines. For Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.